right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Save the Track Bike, presented by Hexagon Cycles. On today's episode, I have Magnus Ruby Bang from the Scandinavian Fixed Crit team. On this episode, we talk about Red Hook, we talk about Fixed 42, which he paints us a detailed picture of what it's like to go to that race, and I found it really compelling. We talk about his bikes. He has a really rare, giant carbon track bike that only 25 were made, I guess. And yeah, we talk about all those things, and let's just get into it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Manus. I'm riding fixed gear. Uh, I'm 21 years old, and I live in Copenhagen. I think that's uh, the short. How did you get into cycling? Um, cycling in Copenhagen, we all ride bikes uh, like on a commuting base. And then uh, I think it was my father who introduced me for riding my bike when I was, I think I was seven years old. I uh, rode my first trips uh, to North Zealand um, on this little 20-inch bike. And then I just, uh, I got a new bike, a road bike with like, I think it had seven gears. And then over time... I became, I think, 15, and then I got my first fixed gear bike for commuting to school. Uh, and then I knew this, um, I wanted to post it on an internet forum um, because I was really proud of this bike. And they, they roasted my bike a bit in there, and it's kind of, um, it got me to, I don't know, I thought I had to prove something so I had to show up to some races and from there just evolved quite fast so what attracted you to the fixed gear bike why did you decide that was your bicycle that you were going to commute on it was uh, the aesthetics at that point point I thought it would look really really cool um, yeah just uh, with no cables and I thought it was quite easy to go fast Copenhagen is really really flat so you don't really need gears, um, so like the mix of it was also cheaper compared to other bikes on the same level, um, and it's really easy to maintain. I think three these three parameters uh, was like what started the fixed gear for me. Yeah, so you said the aesthetics attracted you to it, and. One of the reasons why you're on this podcast is because I followed you because you're always posting really beautiful bicycle photos. So what's your history with photography and and how did you uh, kind of get into just taking pictures of bikes and all that kind of stuff? Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm super happy when people uh, like what I do. Um, it started just I was on Instagram for a long time and then... I just, um, I took some photos first with just my iPhone and then at some point a photographer contacted me and asked if I wanted to go for a photo shoot. Uh, and we, I just met with him and one of my good friends, uh, Jacob and the three of us just rode through Copenhagen. I got some really, really nice photos. I'm still posting some of them, uh, from time to time. And I think that was like the eye opener for this um 
just was super super nice and i got a lot of feedback on some of the photos um and just became a nice way to showcase uh, this fixed gear to other people um the fixed gear scene in copenhagen is not that big anymore so i feel that if i can what can i say like if i can show this sport to more people maybe we can get a bigger community about fixed gears in copenhagen yeah, I was going to ask you about that too, is, you know, uh, Copenhagen and, and that region of the world is known a lot for how many people cycle and stuff. So I just kind of wanted to get into what is the fixed gear scene like there as far as like rides and uh, racing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think um, like the most of uh, Europe, let's say the world, uh, there was this fixed gear mainstream hype some years ago. Copenhagen was really into that as well. Uh, after the financial crisis, everybody wanted to have a like simple, cheap bike that needed no maintenance. It's quite like just post-financial crisis. But then after this mainstream hype died, there was some hardcore people left. But on solely on fixed gear, it's quite small right now there's uh we have few people um then racing there's kind of like two categories there are this Ellicat messenger scene and then there's the more um, what can i say competitive part of the fixed gear scene who are racing fixed gear crits and in that part it's where i think we're maybe 10 people or so but uh i'm trying to for example i'm organizing this sunshine crit I organized it for three years, and uh, I'm just about to organize one now. I don't know so much about it yet, but I think it will be sometime in August. Um, and then I hope that I can attract some people from Sweden and Germany, because uh, especially in Germany, the fixed gear scene is really, really big. You know, they just had the eight-bar crit today. They have the whole red race and... I'm going to this uh, water can crit in Hamburg, uh, the 9th of June, which is really one of my favorite crits in, in all of all over Europe. So I think in my part of the world, the fixed scene is really big in Germany. Um, and then in Copenhagen, it's, it's small, but it feels like that maybe this year there could be some, some like a... F- what can I say? I think the more people are maybe getting into it, but it's just a feeling. I kind of don't know it. Yeah, it seems to be growing a little bit. And you guys had the Rafa Nocturne there last year. Did you race that? Yeah. Um, I actually was involved quite a lot with the Nocturne. Uh, it, was, it was such a nice event. I was racing, but um, I... Um, I worked a bit for for, the, for Rafa. I transported the bags on a cargo bike uh, all morning from the Rafa clubhouse uh, to the course, uh, and then after I did these like I don't know five rides on a cargo bike full of bags, then I went out. I was the ride leader on one of the rides, um, so I went out and I had to um, bridge a gap on this ride in hardcore headwind. And I used quite a lot of power on that. 
Then I set up this uh, RCC corner, um, lifting a lot of stuff. So when I was on the starting line, I was kind of exhausted. Yeah. But I got, uh, I think I got five or six uh, good laps, uh, and I lived really, really close to the course. So I had a lot of friends and family there. Um, and the whole course is in this meatpacking district, which is like a pretty creative uh space in Copenhagen which is super super nice um, so I think the whole event was really nice but my race was super bad so we decided <laughs> just to grab a beer from one of my friends uh, while still on the course drink it and then drop out um, <laughs> I feel but like I really it's hard, hard if you uh, to keep up that energy when you've been doing stuff all day <laughs> yeah I think it's not because I thought I would have won without that but um when you're maybe not the strongest and then you put on some uh, a lot of hard work before, it's maybe not the best uh, way to prepare <laughs> for a race. But I heard rumors that they are returning uh, this year to Copenhagen. Um, cool. That course looked they, insane. Yeah, it was really insane. There was, I think it was maybe 40% on cobbles and some really sharp corners. And, yeah, but it was super, super fun. Um I had hoped that there would have been a more com- competitive. I think we were 25 or something. Um, but uh, there were some really strong guys. Uh, David Fenert uh, came and won, and Timon Saubert uh, was there as well. So it was quite competitive, but it could have been nice with, I don't know, 60, 70 fixed gears people in in my city. <laughs> Yeah, I watched a little bit of the live stream of that, and it seemed really fast. Yeah, it was super fast, and there was these two long stretches on the on the course where the speed really got uh, got up. Yeah, and then there was the whole technical part where people really was taking these corners faster than I thought I could. I lived close by, so I trained on the course quite a lot of times, but on race day, you could just push the limit, I don't know, 10, 20% or something. It was really amazing that uh, they did a really good job on fixing potholes and sweeping the whole course. Um, that was really amazing for me. So you could really push the limit, and I think I pedal stroke maybe two or three times uh, in one of the shop corners. So <laughs> pedal striking scary. Yeah, it's really scary, but it was just like, I don't know, it wasn't really striking. It was more like just touching oh, yeah, a little. Yeah. I think when uh, when you're just touching, you know, this is the limit. It feels quite nice. If, yeah, if, you're you like, know, I got this. It's not too dangerous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just like taps the shoe a little bit. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I noticed on Instagram at some point you were posting photos and there was like a Rafa fixed gear group ride. Yeah, uh, that was prior to the whole um, nocturne. Uh, me and I don't know if you seen him on my my Instagram uh, fixie call. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, third guy Benjamin from the Rafa Clubhouse. We was uh, doing some fixed gear uh, rides uh, prior to this uh, nocturne to like get a feeling and get people into shape with this fixed gear. Uh, those were some of the best rides I had last year. It was. Uh, Every Wednesday for six weeks, um, and we just hit some really nice uh, roads. Yeah, the um, photos looked beautiful. 
Yeah, it's Benjamin on, on the camera. He's a really talented photographer. I took some photos with him the other day who are coming on Instagram next week, I think. Um, but he got some really nice photos of this uh, suns- sunsets and stuff. But um, I really hope that we can um, follow up this year and do a series more of fixed gear rides uh, in the Rafa Clubhouse. It's quite nice for, for us to be in a place like the Rafa Clubhouse so we can get a reach to people that normally maybe wouldn't go on a fixed gear ride but uh, with this whole brand behind the fixed gear rides even more people came out I think we was uh, 15-16 on some of the big rides which is quite a lot on fixed gear solely in Copenhagen Absolutely. It seems like Rafa is doing a good job of getting behind things, like adding the fixed gear category in the Nocturne and then doing those rides with uh, you. And then they're sponsoring Team Stanridge this year. So it's pretty... What, what team are they sponsoring? Uh, team Stanridge. Uh... Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I didn't saw that yet. Uh, that's, an, that's good news. I think there's a lot of business for Rafa and the whole fixed gear community. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, aesthetics and culture. Uh, I think there's some good uh, matches in there. That's one thing I love about cycling is I love, I love design and I love minimalist design and I really enjoy like part of that with the fixed gear is just like how beautiful the lines are and everything on the bicycles and like when you have everything dialed in and set up so well and then yeah, exactly. At some point you just finding some lines will match together and maybe the line the angle of the saddle is the same as the angle of the stem and all of a sudden you can just see i don't know maybe three or four lines in all and it just aligns and the wheels and there's you know there's not a single part that you can take off this bike because it's just cut to the bone but it's still so i mean you can do almost everything with a track bike you could uh, mount the, some bigger tires and you could do cycle cross, you can do city, you can do like the fastest discipline on bikes, maybe it's downhill, but where you're pedaling yourself, it's track bikes on a track. So you can go super fast, you can go cross, you can, it's like you can do almost everything on a fixed gear bike. I can't see any limits like on a road bike. You can't really get it into a cross bike, or you can't get it. I just think that the fixed gear bike can do everything, but it's also the most simple bike, and I think that's really a beautiful, beautiful thing with on the fixed gears. And I love seeing things like rad race, like you were saying in Germany, uh, just like experimenting with different kinds of races on track bikes and seeing the explosion of the criteriums, I think that there's so much to be tapped into. Yeah, definitely. I'm so, so agree on that. It's, um, yeah. And all of those, uh, track lacrosse events at the, t- at the moment. And yeah. Mud Max. And... <laughs> exactly. There's so much happening and in so many different directions, but all with this fixed gear bike as a, as a hub for everything. And it's, I think it's quite unique that people are just, the fixed gear community is so international and you don't even have to know people. This fixed gear just brings people together. Uh, everybody who rides a fixed gear at a certain level can talk to everybody 
Horizon fixed gear bike on a certain level, even if it's like different kinds of track bikes. It could, it could be super super fast guys and some rad bikes, but I think the ideas of why you're riding a fixed gear bike is almost the same for everybody riding a fixed gear bike. Yeah, the recurring theme is always just the simplicity. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like so much of cycling is so tech oriented and just like how much money can I spend on this new product or this new thing? And yeah. it's funny cause the track bike is like kind of the opposite of that. It's like, how much can I take away and just make it about my legs and like what I can do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, this you you could call it like an opalship um, way of seeing things, and I think the criterions are also like kind of the same. It's quite no bullshit. You start your race, and first one to cross is the winner. There's like not so much about it. There's uh, of course I know for example in Red Hook Red there are teams and they are getting more of that stuff. But if you compare it to Let's say Paris Roubaix. There's so much more tactics in Paris Roubaix, where in Red Hook Red it's so short, and you just if you want to win, you just have to pedal hard from the start until the end. This you can't wait too much, or like you can in the big stage races. And this no bullshit attitude is quite in everything in the fixed gear world, I think, and that's really attractive. Absolutely, I do still want to. I do want to see more races like fixed forty two. I think that that's a huge opportunity for people. Cause yeah, I, really. I think the I idea race... of just like getting on the street with like five hundred people just sounds like a like a really fun time. <laughs> yeah, I raced it uh, all three years so, so far, and I also registered for the next one in is it twenty eight days now? I think uh, I'm really well. I do look forward, but uh, I'm so much not in shape for it this year. But um, I th- still think it's going to be amazing fun going on this autobahn in this giant group, and you just have these like I don't know eight photo motos in front. It's just this pro feeling is insane, um, <laughs> and it's just yeah, I th- really think that Red Race is going, doing a great job at uh, arranging these races. Um, the whole setup is uh, so pro. Uh, it's so detailed, and the whole course through Berlin is really, really nice. I mean, the first time I didn't really knew the course. I was just riding with the bunch, uh, and then all of a sudden you're at Alexanderplatz, or you see the television tower, and all of a sudden you're just in the center of Berlin, seeing all the th- all the things you know. Um, on this course and there's so many people standing in the side looking and cheering it's it's really really amazing um yeah so what does that day look like what does that experience look like going to that race um okay um first you have to take a train well i when i'm there i'm living in central of berlin uh then you have to take a train but uh, there's like two two or three chain trains going there so in the train there are like 100 bikes just stacked up and (laughs) chat with all the other guys it's really this train ride is amazing uh 
you can try to ride there, but it's quite hard because so many roads are blocked. And even when you're riding like in the morning uh, till the train, you have to avoid all of these uh, blocked roads. So you can really feel that whole Berlin is kind of blocked off. So the hype is already starting way before you're at the starting line because you can see uh, Polisai say, saying that the road is, road is closed. Then you get into the train, put your bike in there with all the other guys riding to the start line where they always have a DJ pumping up some hardcore music. <laughs> um, and people are, it's, it's always nice to see people are doing so many different things you line up in this really long queue. Uh, some people are just standing there. Some people are sitting. And then, like, with, I don't know, half an hour to go or something, people are starting getting really nervous. Like, I need to go pee. And people are stressed. So many people are so stressed. I need to get some water, all of this stuff. But you can see, like, the hardcore dudes, they, they knew before. So they, they had their drink and they had, to, they had peed. <laughs> and they're just standing there waiting. Um, it's kind of, uh, yeah, you can really see who, who tried this before and who didn't. Um, <laughs> and then at first there's uh, this start behind what's called the um, Pace Star. Um, so I think the first two kilometers is behind this car. And then it gets from, I don't know, maybe 30 kilometers an hour to 55 and 20 seconds or something. It's really intense because you can't really see when they're waving the flag, but you can just hear this amazing sound of carbon and track bikes <laughs> because there's so many. I think all people who race this race, uh, they just, when, when, when you say, can you remember the sound of red race? They're just, yeah, yeah, that sound of carbon and warm asphalt and tight chains. <laughs> and then when, they, when they're waving the flag, you can just hear guys standing up their pedals. <laughs> and you just, you just do it like all the others. It's like fish swimming around, just moving in this one big, like, you don't really have to think, you're just moving with the bunch. Um, then there are, I think, maybe two corners, and then you're on the autobahn. Um, and the speed really gets high. Um, people are attacking off the front. Um, the pace is going down a bit. Then the pace goes up because the new guy attack off the front. Um, I tried some different things to, through the years. Last year, I knew that my ship wasn't so good, so I went for an attack just for the fun to be... Uh, like in front of, I think there was 700 people last year. So I just wanted to be in front for some seconds. Um, and so I did, and I got a really amazing photo, which was uh, super nice. Um, the first year I just stayed in the bunch. Um, then after this autobahn stuff, you hit the outskirts of Berlin and then uh, Tempelhof, where they hosted the 8 Bucket today. Um, this old uh, German airport uh, on this like some big concrete blocks. So when you're riding there, it's, mm, it feels like almost like cobbles, <laughs> just riding over. But it's kind of really a crucial uh, place for the whole race. I think all three years so far, it's been more or less settled on Tempelhof. The people who are getting 
with the first group over Templehof are almost always ending to ride together until the finish line and sprint for it. Um, I think the second year, seven guys went away on Templehof and they got all the way to the finish line. So Templehof is kind of the uh, on back woods of uh, probably Robay. It's kind of, you have to be there. Um, it's also really, really windy. You go from often you have a tailwind all the way into the autobahn. But then at the Templehof, you'll have a strong sidewind, which are really tearing people apart. Um, so this year, I just hope that I can make it till Templehof and then maybe just try to spread over and get a, as good a, as a group as I can uh, and try to hold it until the finish line. Then after the finish line, you get into this, um, you cross the finish line and they just lined up, I don't know, five, six hundred beers and there's just <laughs> beers for everybody and people are just like, some are crying, some are cheering and it's just, people are really like feeling, it's, people are just super, super excited because this race is, it's so intense and it's so fast, it's 50, 56 minutes. Um so like after people are just realizing what they just did and everybody is so proud that the average speed is so, so high. And like every year it's like, how did I just go for 56 minutes with um, 48 kilometers an hour average? It's so intense and so amazing. I It's the fastest I ever rode on a bike. That's uh, during the fixed 42. That's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I need to go to that race so bad. It's like it's on my bucket list for sure. Nice. If you come, uh, we could chat there as well. It's really a nice race, um, and it's just there's so many people with this like the super competitive guys and like Stephen Schaefer from Specialized Rocket Espresso, but there's also just like people in almost shorts and t-shirts on a six-gear bike they bought two weeks ago and stuff. But I really like that one of them can go from, like, can grab all people and bring them together because Red Hook is quite exclusive. Um, even though everybody can register, it's kind of, you have to be fast if you want to register. Uh, I raced, well, I tried to qualify last year and I wasn't fast enough. It's it's really hardcore to get into Red Hook where Red Race is for everybody. Of course, some people are riding faster than other people, but it's really nice that it's 700 people and everybody can participate. Yeah, everybody can be on the Autobahn, like riding a bike. <laughs> exactly, and it's like having these four lanes just in an intense feeling and with these police motorcycles and photo motorcycles and it's just once-in-a-lifetime experience to ride on this autobahn. What's your gearing on a race like that? Um, I'm running quite hard gears. I think um, I've been doing 52-14 uh, most years. Um, yeah, that sounds about reasonable, going that fast. <laughs> I mean, when you're going 55 kilometers uh, an hour for maybe... I don't know, five, ten minutes in a row. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be spinning because then you're dead. And yeah. There are not that many accelerations. So when you just have the speed 
and if you make it to the finish line with the first group, um, it's I think it's 1.2 kilometers just straight. Um, then the final sprint gets up to 60, 65. I don't know, but just really, really fast. Um, so 52:14 is is my gear. Nice. Um, what are some of your other favorite races you've done? Uh, I really like this uh, Vatican crit um, in Hamburg, which is um, it's kind of it's really competitive. They are having some really good German riders. Uh, they are also having riders from the Netherlands who are really really talented. Uh, but it's still really down to earth. I of course I like Red Hook. I've been to both Red Hook Milano and Barcelona, and I think those are wonderful races. But for me, they are a bit too fast and a bit too pro. Um, this water can crit arranged by Suicycle, uh, this bike shop in Hamburg. I really think it's it's really nice. It's There are some nice prizes, but nobody's racing for the prizes. Um, and it's just it's just low-key, and there's a really... Mm, the sportsmanship uh, people between are really, really amazing. Um, it feels more like everybody's friends. Uh, but then again, when you're first racing, it's it's really, really fast. And I think that's, for me, the perfect between getting too low-key. Uh, some of the sunshine crits I hosted, they've been too lousy, too low-key, uh, where people haven't been racing fast enough and it hadn't, hasn't been serious enough. And then sometimes at retro crit, I think it can get a little too serious for me, uh, at least. At Watercant, it's kind of, it's still for everybody, uh, but it's still competitive and it's a real competition. For, um, it's bal- it's real balance for me. So I think that's one of one of my favorite crits. Yeah, balance seems to be kind of a really good way to look at it because you do have Red Hook crit being so huge, but at the same time that helps like lift all of the other races. So you can kind of, at some point, hopefully we'll be able to have different categories. And- yes, exactly. And I think Red Hook crit is so important and I'm, I'm like, I'm super, super happy that somebody's doing the work and putting in such a great event, which is um, so really professional arranged and they're, really getting out wide they're getting out in all of the mainstream cycling media and i really think that they're pushing the sport so to so many people who who don't know our sport yet so i think uh, retrocrit is so crucial for the whole fixed gear scene but yeah still i like these more low oh low for sure crits. no i'm with you i'm um, never gonna race red hook i'll just say that i'm 32 years old i just got into racing like, I'm not going to be competitive at a Red Hook, but I'm super stoked that there's smaller crits that I can go race at now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I still have a dream to go to Red Hook Crit again this year. Um, I do Milano, Barcelona, and get humiliated for the third time. But maybe uh, this year I can I can actually manage and, uh, and get a good position in the final or maybe with this new heat system which I think is a really nice imp- implement, I can I could maybe go to just make a make a good race or something. Yeah, at least no um, matter what you get two races. So Yeah, which is really nice. I went to Milano and I got eleven rounds of racing, uh which is 
I don't know. It's just really, really a, f- a long way to go to ride your bike, 11 kilometers. Uh, I still enjoyed all of it. I enjoyed Mil- going to Milano. Uh, I enjoyed talking with all the people there. I really enjoyed seeing the race in the night. Uh, it's such an amazing event. Um, but to go to, to Waterkant and be able to sit in there with some really good people for a long time is really nice for me. For sure. So how many track bikes do you have? Oh, I actually only have two. I have my Cinema Mash, uh, the Siena type, uh, which um, I'm going to build up as my crit bike. I just got some new hops and I got some 60mm carbon uh, rims that I'm going to put together. And then I got my giant TCR team, um, which is this carbon track bike. Uh, it's it. I really love the bike. Um, I think I don't know much about it because it's never been mass produced. I heard a number from a guy working at Giant that they produced 25 of these frames wow. ever. Um, and I think they made them for people who were sponsored by Giant on the road and then wanted to do six-day racing or other track bike events in the winter. Uh, and then in, instead of doing like maybe they were riding Savello and stuff, so Giant produced some track bikes um, that was like top competitive. And I got uh, I got one of those frames, uh, which I really, really love. It's with integrated seat post, and it's just so massive. The tubes are so big that I even can't get my hands around it and it's really just an intense bike it's kind of um i think it's from 2005 or 2006 or something like that where especially track bikes still were crazy i don't think it's that aerodynamic today because they made them thinner and smaller and more conservative but it was kind of this wild 90 way of thinking (laughs) if you say that uh a water drop is arrow. Then, like, then let's make everything water water shaped. <laughs> um, just let 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 make every tube big. And if uh, just like this bigger is better attitude. And I really think it's it's like it's a nice error. Just going like crazy. And I have way too much drop on it. Um, this the steer tube is only ninety millimeter, and I got it slammed. And I got all the seat seat tube. So I'm sitting ridiculously low and stuff, but it's just like it's over the top in a really nice way. Uh, so I really love the bike. What is 2018? What is this coming season looking like? What are you excited about as far as races and rides? Um, I'm on this uh, team SFCT, which is a Scandinavia fixed crit team. Uh, we just got a new sponsor, which we are going to announce in a couple of days. Um, we also made some. Um, we expanded the team a little, um, so we are now three guys in Copenhagen and three guys in Stockholm um, who are going to race full-time on this. I'm really looking forward to that. Then my racing calendar so far is uh, fixed 42, uh, and then two weeks after, I'm going to Watercan Crit. Maybe I'm also going to Thunder Crit in London uh, on this Lee Valley Velodrome track. Then I'm definitely going back to the NL Crit Series. I um, 
I raced one of their crits last year uh, in the B class, and I actually won it. Uh, so I promoted to the A, which I'm uh, kind of afraid of because I'm slower this year than I was last year. But uh, I think it's going to be fun to race with the fast guys this year. I'm I'm a little bit in doubt which one of the NL Crit Series races I'm going to because they host so many and they are all they all look super super rad. Um, but I think maybe go back to uh, Rotterdam and uh, try to win on the same circuit as I won on last year could be amazing. And then if I have the time and the shape, I think I need to go to at least either Barcelona or Milano for the Red Hook. But um, yeah, I don't know yet. It's kind of, if I get, if I'm in a good shape, I probably go to more races. If I'm in a bad shape, I don't feel as motivated as going to crits. Um, but I think I'll I'll probably pick up some shape. And when you're at a crit and you you just want to go to crit next weekend and next weekend and next next weekend, so you kind of have to get into the loop. And when you're there, it's just booking those flights to I don't know just all over Europe registrating for those races and have have a really nice time for sure i think i think the only one i'm really i've decided the only one i'm really going to race this year outside of some local ones in colorado and the u.s where i am um is the bone machine crit in portland which should be really big i'm really excited about that but uh but yeah, I think that's going to be in September, but they haven't announced the actual date yet, so I'm just kind of holding back, ready to buy yeah. my plane ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually only heard about it. I I don't know so much about it. Is it uh, just a regular criterium, or do they have any twist on it? Yeah, so they have a track day, because they do have a velodrome up, velodrome up there. And so they'll have like a track day and then just a whole day of like heats and races and, and stuff on the crit. So it's kind of set up more like a red hook, you know, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit smaller and it's out in Portland and, and everyone that I talked to that went to it uh, a couple years ago, they didn't do one last year, but everybody said it was like their favorite course. Oh, nice. I think. Yeah, track days and stuff are so nice because yeah, then it's just like a really chill experience going around this velodrome and people just chilling in the middle and you get a nice chance to chat with people and if you want to take 10 fast laps you can just do it and it's kind of it's nice that people can ride fast and slow but still be in the same place for sure um, no, Plus, it's, it's just... nice to have more to do than just show up to a different city and do one or two races and then be done. It's nice to have a weekend of things. Exactly, and it's it's another competition, which also is nice just to chill, ride your bike. You don't have to perform anything. Um, you can talk to everybody. It's just, yeah. I think um, expanding these uh, events into weekends is really a nice nice thing to do. I know that uh, the Fix 42 is a part of uh, Berlin fixed space, which is like four days of different fixed gear events. Uh, and then with the Fix 42 on Sunday, 
before everybody fly home. I'm really looking forward to to use some days in Berlin there as well. Nice, yeah. It seems like uh, the national uh, mustard crit in Dijon, France, is doing something kind of similar, having an omnium. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they are also expanding until a full weekend of of riding. I think when people are traveling far, it's nice to give them more than just this one hour of racing um, and like to put in a whole experience and a whole weekend with pasta party and velodromes and all kind of nice stuff and community. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, I'm on Instagram at uh, manus underscore bang. Um, I think that's kind of the only place I'm posting cycling stuff online. Um, but quite active on, on Instagram. Yeah, and where can people find your team? Uh, my team is also on Instagram at the SFC team. Uh, and we are on Facebook as a Scandinavia Fixed Crit team. Um, follow us, please. And uh, you can see the... Uh, the new sponsor we are announcing in a week or so. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. I'm the one who say thank you for this opportunity. All right. That does it for another episode of save the track bike. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. Follow us on Instagram at save the track bike, save the track Shout outs to fixgearcrit.com. Thank you so much to our sponsor at Hexagon Cycles, hexagoncycles.com. If you buy anything from there, definitely use the code STTB. That's S-double-T-B. And if you use that code, it'll go to help support the podcast. It'll help me keep doing this every week. And, yeah, also definitely go to iTunes or wherever you're listening and leave a rating and a review. Hopefully good ones. Hopefully you're digging the podcast. And that's all I got. We'll see you next time.